Our gospel lesson this morning is going to come from Matthew's gospel. For Matthew 28, we're actually going to read verses 1 through 20. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 20. And you can find that in your own personal Bible, on your pew Bible in front of you, or also on the back of your order of worship. Now, I invite you to stand as you are able, in body or in spirit, for the reading of our gospel lesson. After the Sabbath... As the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. And an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guard shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that who are you are looking for, Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, but he has been raised. And as he has said... And as he said, come and see the place where he, he lay. They go quickly and then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead. Indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee and there you will see him. This is my message to you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came to him and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. While they were going, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priest everything that had happened. After the chief priest had assembled the elders, they devised a plan to give large sums of money to the soldiers, telling them, You must say, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story is still told among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When he saw them, they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. That's a noise we all love, isn't it? Some of you this morning didn't need that noise because you had little ones who were ready to get up and just get loaded up on chocolate and sugar. We all know that noise. Most mornings, we, 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 we fight that noise off. You know, we, we blindly kind of, if you're like, I actually have an alarm clock that Holly got from me years ago. I keep it in the, in, I don't use it every morning, but I keep it in the closet. It has wheels and it will literally run from you. So it starts alarming and then it just starts going. And it's like, you got, because the point is to get you, if it, if it can get you out of bed, you got a better shot of being awake. But this alarm clock will just scoot down the road. And so I'm down there trying to blindly chase it and slap at it so that I can get back in bed and go back to sleep. You know, I, I guess it kind of defeated the purpose. But we all, we all know that alarm clock sound and most of us hate it. With the passion of a thousand white suns, it's not a joyous noise. It's not something happy. We endure it because we've got to get up and keep going. Most mornings, we hate that noise, don't we? But there's some mornings where you're glad to hear it. At least I am. I don't remember my dreams. Like some of y'all, 
You can probably remember every dream you ever had. Holly's like that. She can remember all her dreams. I literally don't remember any dreams I ever had. I'll wake up in the middle of the night having had a dream and say, oh, I know I'm going to remember this one in the morning. Nope. Nothing. Forgot it. I, I don't remember my dreams. But what I do remember sometimes when I wake up, I've had a bad dream. I wake up and I kind of, whew, and I think, whew, I'm glad that was just a dream. We've all been there, hadn't we? Where you might not remember the details of the dream, but you wake up and you're just glad. You're thinking to yourself, man, I'm glad that was just a dream. I'm glad, I'm glad that that wasn't real. That, that it's almost a relief to wake up sometimes from a bad dream and realize, whew, that was just a dream. I really didn't show up naked to my calculus class. Thank you, Jesus. I still, y'all, I still have nightmares about calculus. I just, I just do. I have, a night, I have these nightmares that I forgot. You know how the, the typical nightmare you forgot to study for the class and then it's finals? It's always calculus to me because as Aquinas said, algebra is the language of the devil. I mean, I just, it's evil. So I just hated that class and it scarred my memories. So we always have those dreams. Sometimes though, those, that kind of, kind of bleeds over into real life. It feels like at least. Cause you ever had something really bad happen to you? Something really bad. And you wake up the next morning and you say to yourself, gosh, Hope that was just a dream. Man, I hope I was just dreaming. And then you wake up, and you go about your day, and you realize it wasn't a dream. It was real life. That typically happens to me after a death. My brother died. I woke up the next day saying, I hope it's just a dream. But it wasn't. You know, or maybe, maybe if you ever lost a job. You're going about, you go to bed and you wake up the next morning and say, that was just a dream, right? That was just a dream. Totally. I was, I was just dreaming. That didn't really happen. And then you wake up and you realize, no, that was real life. That was real life. If you ever had something tragic happen in your life, you go to bed and you're praying to yourself, Lord, make this just a dream. Please let me just have been dreaming yesterday and that this didn't actually happen, that this isn't real life. And then we wake up the next day and realize that the tragedy was true. And we realize that it wasn't a dream and that it was in fact real life. And that's when the sobering reality of tragedy hits you in the face. Because it's one thing just to endure it for the moment, but it's another thing the day after when you realize you weren't dreaming and realize it's actually happening. That's where the women were this morning. They saw on Friday, the one who saved them nailed to a cross. They saw those brave disciples who said, no, no, we'll go with him even to Jerusalem. Even if it's to our death, we'll go with him. They saw those brave individuals that were going to go with Jesus scatter when it got real. In fact, only they remained. They and John remember the only ones of all the group that remained, just them. They saw him. They saw with their own eyes him killed. They saw with their own eyes the nails driven in. They saw with their own eyes the spear 
twisted in. They saw with their own eyes his body taken up the cross. They heard with their own ears him say, Father, it is finished. Into my hands I commend my spirit. They saw it. And so you know on Friday they had to go to sleep saying, Lord, please let this be a dream. Lord, please let this be a dream. Please, oh Lord, let this be a dream. And they woke up on Saturday. Guess what they found out? It wasn't a dream. It was real life. So I'm sure Saturday they staggered through life half dead. Unable to put one front in front of the, one foot in front of the other. Because their Savior had been killed in front of their own eyes. And so they, st- they stagger half dead themselves, hoping beyond hope it's just a dream. But it wasn't. So they wake up on Sunday. Remember, Sunday for them was the first day of the work week. And because they took his body down so quickly, they then had to go and prepare the body. So they're going to the tomb to do their duty. And you know, they're thinking, Lord, this, is, this can't be happening. This can't be happening. This can't be happening. I always, in my mind, I go to, I dreamed a dream from Les Mis at this moment. Like, life has killed the dream that I dreamed. I had this dream. I, I had a dream of hope. I had a dream of salvation. I had a dream of life. I had this dream and life has killed it. They've killed it. And now it's over. So now they go and do what you would think probably good Southerners would do. They go to perform their duty. They're going to the grave to prepare the body because the body must be prepared in the Jewish ritual. They have to do this, so they go and do it. And when they go and do it, they find, in fact, did you notice the text said this morning? It says that the guards were like dead man. You see that contrast there? We see the guards, ones guarding the tomb, acted like dead men. And where'd they find Jesus? As we heard in our children's moment, he wasn't there. He was resurrected. And so they now realize that guess what? It wasn't a dream, but something incredibly powerful had happened. Instead of this, you know, in dreams, we're always riding unicorns and chocolate has no calories. You know, it's perfect. That can't happen in real life. That's not how real life works. But what they found here is that something amazing transcended into real life. That all of his enemies must be put under his feet. And the last enemy to be defeated is death. And we see that in this, this hope, this dream that they had, they found they woke up and guess what? It wasn't that the nightmare was real. But it was that the dream was real. The hope was real. The, 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 the desire for that which is better was real. They found that the nightmare was pretend and that the dream was real. And they woke up to life. They woke up to victory. They woke, they woke up to the fact that life triumphs over death. And they woke up to the reality that these things have been defeated. Death has been defeated. Pain has been defeated. Fear has been defeated. And here's what I want you to hear, friends. That doesn't mean that just the cross happened, okay? Easter did not make the cross go away. 
It didn't. The cross still happened. They had still seen what they saw. They had still heard what they heard. But what Easter did is it transformed. It transformed that symbol of death into a sign of life. Y'all, I'm not here to tell you that tragedy doesn't happen. I'm not here to tell you that life is not snuffed out too early. I'm not here to tell you that folks aren't going to get cancer. I'm not here to tell you that death is not going to visit our doorstep. I'm not telling you that. But what I'm telling you is that Easter tells us that God transforms even tragedy. And that death, yes, death may have its moment. Yeah, and pain may have its moment. And hurt may have its moment. And tragedy may have its moment. But it does not have the final word. Death does not have the final word. Sin does not have the final word. Pain does not have the final word. Hurt does not have the final word. But life, life has the final word. I'm not promising you a bubble wrap faith. Well, you wrap yourself in bubble wrap. And nothing bad is never ever going to happen to you. I'm not promising you that. In fact, if you read the Bible, we kind of see quite the opposite. opposite. That tragedy is going to come at times. And that hurt's going to come at times. And that loss is going to come at times. But this is the point of the gospel. That nothing, nothing, nothing in life or in death. Neither angels, nor demons, nor principalities, nor powers nor anything in all of creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And the miracle of Easter, the miracle of Easter is not that the cross didn't happen. It was that God can transform even the cross into victory. Think about it, y'all. What is the symbol of our faith? What do you see everywhere? What do many of us wear around our necks even now? The cross. The cross. To a Roman, that would be insane. That would be like us us wearing the hangman's noose as a symbol. The cross was the most evil and bloody and terrible way that humans have ever come up with to kill somebody. Easter did not say the cross didn't happen. Easter transformed and redeemed the cross. I'm not here to tell you, friends, that you're not going to suffer. I'm not here to tell you that your life's not going to be hard. I'm not here to tell you that everything's going to be great. Because what we want is the fairy tale, y'all. We want the fairy tale that, that if, you, if you're a Christian, then nothing bad's ever going to happen. And what happens is we want that fairy tale. And then when bad stuff happens, we're like, well, there's no God. Well, God's not true. Well, God's not real because I believe in this bad thing still happened. So obviously God's not there. And that's why so many folks walk away. Because we bought onto the mythology that being a Christian makes everything perfect. And that's not the case. Christianity is not about perfection. Christianity is about transformation. That God transformed the cross. That God takes death and destroys it. That God says in his word that all things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. 
That is the power of God. It's not that the cross didn't happen. It's that God transformed even the cross. And so we see, we see this truth presented in the resurrection. But then look what, they, look what the angels tell Mary and the others. Go. Go and tell. Go and tell. So they go and tell the disciples. By the way, because it wasn't just, y'all, Friday was bad. Man, Good Friday was the worst. Jesus died on the cross. The disciples ran like scared children. Peter denied him three times. You ever felt guilty? Thought to yourself, man, I blew that one. Well, imagine how they felt. Imagine how they felt. So the angel said, go and tell the disciples that he has been raised and he will come and meet them. So the women, they go and tell the disciples. They go and tell. And then the disciples, we see in the end of the text today, are then told by Jesus, hey, you're going to go. You're going to go everywhere and you're going to proclaim my resurrection. You're going to make disciples. You're going to transform the world. You few band, you are going to transform the world, not out of your might, not out of your power, but out of my power. For all authority on heaven and earth has been given to you. Now go and tell, go and tell, go and tell. I wanted to end service today so bad with go tell on the mountain. I did. Because what we do, what we, we make Easter simply about this. That God saves us. And that's true. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Augustine said, Christ died for you as if there was no one else in the world. He loves you. He died for you. He redeems you. He forgives you. He loves you. But this notion of resurrection is not just for us here in the church, but it's for the world. For through Christ, God is redeeming all the world. And y'all... We live in an angry, tired age where everybody's tired and everybody's angry about everything at all times. Do we not need the power of hope now more than ever? Do we not need the power of resurrection now more than ever? Do we not need the reality of real life energizing itself into this life now more than ever? The world needs us as believers in Christ to go and tell now more than ever. Today, you are forgiven through Jesus Christ. Your shame is forgiven. Your mistakes are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your unfaithfulness is forgiven. Whatever it is, whatever it is, there's nothing, nothing you could ever do that Jesus Christ cannot atone for. C.S. Lewis says, if God, has, if, if God has forgiven us and we cannot forgive ourselves, we have made ourselves a higher moral authority than God. Jesus Christ has forgiven you. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are atoned for and you are forgiven. And if you can't forgive yourself now for what God has already forgiven you for, then you're saying my holiness is greater than God's holiness. And that's not true. You are forgiven. Accept it. Believe it. Stick it deep down in your heart. You are forgiven. And our world needs that message now more than ever. Our world needs that message now more than ever. So our job, 
Our mission is the same as those disciples. To know that death has triumphed, life has triumphed over death. And that we are forgiven. And go and tell. Go and tell. Go and tell. Go and tell a bitter, divided, angry world. Go and tell broken lives. Go and tell those that are battling with so many pains. Go and tell those that are experiencing grief right now. Go and tell those that are hurting. Go and tell those that are needing that life has won. And that death does not have the final word. And that hope reigns eternal. And that nothing can thwart God and his plans. Go and tell. Go and tell. Because the world needs it now. We wake up and find that it was more than a dream. But it was real life. Life has won. Your shame has been defeated. Your death has been defeated. Your sin has been broken. All enemies must be put under his feet. And the final enemy is death. And it has been defeated. You are forgiven. Life has won. Go and tell. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for the victory that comes through Jesus Christ. Thank you for the power of resurrection and the power of life. Loving and gracious God, may we know the power of resurrection and may we go and tell. We ask it in Jesus' sweet in holy name. Amen.